Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, welcome back into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. I am Darren Peppard, and this week, my guest on the Leaning into Leadership podcast is Bethany Hill, the joyful leader herself. Bethany has been an educator in Arkansas for 23 years. Her experience includes being a teacher at the kindergarten through third grade level. She's been an instructional coach, a literacy trainer, an assistant principal, a principal, Currently, Bethany serves as the Teacher Recruitment and Retention Specialist at the Archford Education Service Cooperative in Arkansas, and she's an adjunct professor at the University of Central Arkansas. What most of us, and this is how I connected with her, know about Bethany is she's the founder of the hashtag Joyful Leaders. It's a hashtag that promotes the positive in education and encouragement among educators. Her passions and speaking engagement topics include school culture, whole child mindset, trauma-informed practices, culturally responsive teaching, family communication and engagement, and social-emotional learning. Bethany is an equity, diversity, and inclusion advocate, and she is an anti-racist educator. Bethany is one of my very favorite people. I was honored to have her write the foreword for my book, Road to Awesome, And to be honest with you, this recording that you're going to hear today is the first time Bethany and I actually had a conversation. Everything for the last two or three years that I've known Bethany has been through social media. So finally having an opportunity to talk with her, not in person, but, you know, through StreamYard was amazing. You're going to catch a lot of that, I think, in this interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Before we get to Bethany, I want to talk a little bit about school and district leadership teams. Now, I've shared on the podcast before, my passion for professional development for leaders needs to be about leaders. That's why we've created high-performance leadership teams from Road to Awesome. I mean, let's face it, folks. School and district administrators, the operational leaders, the administrative team, They are the key in the development and sustainability of a district's foundation. No matter how much work and effort is put into the school-wide systems, if the administration does not have the proper cohesion, the mindset, the plan, and ultimately the execution, the students and staff will be limited in the level of success they can achieve. Road to Awesome has developed a transformational framework to dig deep into leadership challenges found all too common in school and district level leadership teams. Among those struggles, the most common challenge is not having every member of the team aligned with the focus, the core values, and the mission of the district. This does not mean that the members are not good leaders or that they're not worthy of being on the team. Rather, this is on the organization. Because often, organizations overlook the importance of leadership boot camps that align efforts, expose and highlight strengths of each team member, and drive the team toward meaningful goals and achievable goals. This is the focus. Road to Awesome's high-performance leadership teams and ongoing leadership coaching. 
If I just said anything that hit you right in the core about your leadership team, maybe a lack of clarity, maybe a lack of cohesion, getting everybody on the same page, folks, let's have a conversation. This could be the work that turns the tide for you and for your leadership team. Reach out to me at Darren M. Peppard at roadtoawesome.net and let's have a conversation. All the information you need is in the show notes. Road to Awesome High Performance Leadership Teams are there to get you and your school or district on the road to awesome. Now, let's get to Bethany Hill and this absolutely fantastic conversation. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, Bethany, thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you. Um, I'm sure we'll reflect back on the, the time we've already spent before we hit record on some of the incredible topics that honestly we should have been recording. Maybe we'll try <laughs> to replicate that. But uh, but either way, thanks so much, Bethany, for being uh, being on Leaning Into Leadership with me. I'm so excited. So stoked to be here. And um, I felt like I've known you for years. So um, even though we've never met in person. Um, so this is the next best thing. So I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, kind of the sign of the times, you know, you, you know, so many people that you've never actually physically been in the same room, but, uh, that will happen. I mean, we've, yes. we've both made that clear that eventually that is going to happen and we'll have Absolutely. to find a way to be deliberate about that. So, yes, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would imagine most of my my listeners know who you are, but maybe just a real quick background, just let people know, you know, who Bethany Hill is and, uh, you know, where you're coming from, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I am located in central Arkansas. That's the, the southern accent. And um, and so I, I've lived here my whole life and been an educator for 23 years. I worked in the same district for 22 years. And I was a teacher, an instructional coach, an assistant principal, um, a principal, did a lot of staff development, things like that um, for that district. And um recently just transitioned into a new role as a teacher retention and recruitment specialist um, for a region of Arkansas. Um, So I'm one of about 15 or 16 in the state um, that that serves in this role. And I'm still learning a lot about it. I'm coming up on my on a solid year almost in the position and um, it has been so rewarding. It, um, I've, I've enjoyed it so, so much. It's been a big transition from leaving a building and being surrounded by kids and, and a, you know, a, a school family on a regular basis. But um, I have a team of people that I work with that are incredible and all have their own strengths and talents and we lean on each other a lot. So, so it's been a great transition. And as we know, um, the teacher shortage is in crisis mode, um, right now, um, across our nation. And so trying to figure out ways to, to hold on to the teachers we have, but also continue to bring people into the profession as well is, is pretty much, my um my whole 
mantra and focus right now. So, um, but also married, been married for 26 years and have two boys that um, are grown. So I'm an empty nester. This is my first year as an empty nester. So one's a freshman at Valdosta State in Georgia and majoring um, in biology. And then I have a son who's a teacher and a coach in Northwest Arkansas. And so really proud of, of him. Um, he's in his third year. So still, still, still very new but he's doing really well. So um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, really, that, that's just really cool. Um, we we were briefly empty nesters. So I have one uh, who graduated from college a year ago and, you know, but the whole COVID thing, she got sent home yeah. from, from the university and then now has a full-time job, but is still home basing from, from here yes. and will We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, yeah. she just finally bought, <laughs> bought her own, she bought her own car yesterday. I mean, it was oh, that's big. Least, but still, you know, I took that first step. So, but that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a whole different world when when the kids totally. are gone out of the house. It really is. So yes, um, I, I want to jump back to yeah, yeah. Absolutely. adults is is a whole different process too. <laughs> we could have a whole podcast yeah, on that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. When, when they graduate from high school or college and you continue to be their parent. Right. Um, so I want to bounce back to something that you were talking about in your intro with, with the work you're doing as a, you know, retention and recruitment specialist. And first I want to, I want to hit on just that recruitment part of it. Um, before we hit record, you were talking a little bit about going and spending some time on a couple of different, you know, university campuses and spending time with, uh, with pre-service teachers, you know, juniors in, in college, that kind of thing, and how that connection can help provide that recruitment. But I, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit more about that and about kind of how those first three years working in Arkansas look? Because it sounds considerably different than a lot of states around around the United States. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm very fortunate that I live in a state who who values the educator role and, and knows that it's super important to focus on how we can retain our teachers. And that's directly related to the level of support that they that they receive, not only as a state, but in their individual districts and buildings. And so um, we do a lot of work as a state on professional learning communities. Solution Tree has a home base in our state now <laughs> because we use them so much. And so a lot of our teachers are, are growing into those best practices, um, you know, as a first year teacher. And that's incredible because those schools that have that PLC environment, they have that professional learning community, tend to have, they tend to wrap their arms around new new educators, you know, and raise them up, you know, the way they, that we need them to, to be. And so um, it's directly related, their retention is directly related to the amount of support they get usually, um, even though this job is stressful. So that's important. But um, also just, you know, we've noticed such a, a drop in, in our nation, in our ed prep programs across you know, across different colleges and some are even having to like cancel their ed prep program because there's not enough enrollment. And that's so terrifying to me. Um, and so I, I'm fortunate in the region where I work that there are, are several colleges that are very local. And um, 
and they're always willing to collaborate with um, with Arch Ford, where I work. And my boss is super um, big on building those relationships with uh, with our with our local colleges, and specifically with the College of Education in in those. Um, in those colleges. And so she's um, given me some opportunities to create some, um, some collaboration with, uh, with a couple of the colleges that are close to me. And it has been so incredible because the professors, they give back too. And, and I ske- I've scheduled a couple of them for, you know, for sessions um, when we have our, our new teacher conference in the fall. And, um, you know, it's a very reciprocal relationship that we're building and I just love it. And so um, I've been able to go on campus a few times and just be a guest, just be a guest teacher to talk on something specific um, that the, that the professor may want just another perspective on, or, you know, some more just additional information for the students. And so I've been able to meet these teachers who are just coming into the ed, to their ed prep program. And a lot of them are juniors. They're in their junior block. Um, and I've talked to some seniors too, that are getting ready to, to do their internship. And so just building those relationships and getting to meet them and, and learn if they, you know, if, if they want to go back to where they grew up to teach, if they want to stay in this region, because ultimately that's what I want. You know, I want them to be able to, to, to work yeah. where I um, serve so I can, so I can continue to build relationships with them once they become a teacher. And so um, it's really cool to go out and see those faces and, you know, they, they, um, some of them are 20 years old. Most of them are 20 or 21 years old. There are a few that are, you know, that have, um, you know, they're doing it as a second career. They started later, but they're just so young and impressionable right now. And um, the more support we can we can provide them and the, the more friendly faces and um, positive things to say about education, but also, you know, being real with them about the difficulty and the challenges that are there. Um, so they so they see the reality, but they also understand the rewards that come out of it. Because if if your heart is a hundred percent in it, you're going to get so much out of it. And and that's that's what keeps teachers going, you know, in in their profession is is what they get back from it and the differences that they make and the relationships that they build um, and the impact that they that they can have on on students, you know, so and families too. So um, so I've loved that part of my job being able to do that. Uh, it has been it's been phenomenal. And, um, and I, I love to, it's, it's almost like I, I get to be a teacher again, you know, in some aspects and be able to go back and have some students again. So that part's, that's part's fantastic too. I think, I think it's, it's that, uh, I mean, obviously, um, I'm sure people can hear it in your voice. I mean, obviously I get to see you right now, but I mean, just the, the pure joy that you have in describing what you're doing, I think is just, I mean, it's truly, truly amazing. I think, I think too, um, and and maybe I'm projecting this. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think in some ways you are getting to do some of the best work that principals get to do without having to do some of the work that nobody <laughs> really likes to do as a principal. Yes, yeah, that that really is kind of kind of it in a nutshell, actually. And that and I I did have a hard time transitioning. Uh, you know, I knew it was going to be difficult, and um, fortunately had some relationships. Um, with people who had done this, you know, kind of similar, you know, they had left the um, public school setting, you know, like in a building and, and done, you know, gone into something, you know, that 
that focuses more on adult adult learning. And so um, I was able to talk through a lot of that and was prepared, you know, like you're going to, you're probably going to cry some days. You're going to think, what have I done? You know? Um, and, and I did, I did, I did go through some of those days and I still, it still, you know, stings a little bit. Sometimes I'll go into a school and I'm, I'm there to see a teacher and I, I, and kids, you know, see me and they're like, I don't know who you are. And they ask about like, are you, do you work here? Are you a sub or, you know, (laughs) who are you, you know? And so it's like, Oh, I just, you know, that makes me miss that you know, that school community and, you know, being able to, yeah. to see the same kids every day and the same families. But, um, but I am so grateful for the opportunity that I have right now to be able to meet so many different people. And instead of one district, there are 28. And, um, and I've learned so much from every school that I've visited, you know, because it, they all have their own dynamic. And um, so it's, it's just a really great um, supportive role to have because it's it's really it's really good just to be the light and not have to be the heat you know <laughs> like like love administrators have to do even though I loved being a principal and I'm I I miss it every day but but this this job is truly um, it's such a perfect fit for my the stage in my career too so I'm I'm so blessed that I that I was able to find it um, because it's it's I feel like I'm where I need to be for sure. Uh, I think it's awesome. I really do. I mean, again, just, there's just so much joy when you, when you describe it and um, you know, like you, I mean, obviously I transitioned out of being in a building pretty much like for the first time in my life. And I know that's true for you too. You know, you, you go to school as a student and then you go to college and you're a student. And then when you're done, what do you do? You go back to school as, as, as an educator. And, and so, I mean, I still, honestly, Bethany, I, I still can't, think in terms of January to December as a year. I mean, running a business, I have to think of January to December as a year, but I can't do it. I'm still stuck on this July to June. July 1st. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's when the, that's when the budget starts over. That's when everything is fresh again. Yeah. That's that's when I start counting revenue again. Okay. Starting in July, here's where it doesn't matter, but you know, to me, it always will. Um, you know, yeah. once once you're on the school calendar, you're always on. A That's school right. Calendar. It's, it's just the way that it is. So, um, I've said the word a couple of times, and and so I want I want to go down go down this path here really quick. Um, joy, uh, I think I'm not sure. You and I've been connected for for quite some time. Um, I, you know, we we until today really we haven't had a, an actual like conversation. A lot of stuff right. through Twitter, and you know, maybe a little bit of texting, and 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 some of those kinds of things, but. Even before, um, even before you wrote the forward for my book, which I'm still so grateful for, um, I, I go back to what probably we got connected over, which was your hashtag joyful leaders. And um, I, I still, to this day, I'll use it. I won't use it all the time, but I still will, will use that. I know you and I still tag each other occasionally and, and posts and that kind of stuff. But talk a little bit about where, where that came from, how that just kind of took place because now it's huge. It is absolutely huge. You have a massive following on social media and I'm not saying that's the reason why, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with it. So just talk a little bit about the joyful leaders concept. Yeah. Well, it it was, it's kind of funny because it started like in, I journal a lot. I, um, and I'm kind of the old school journaler. I love notebooks and just love to write it out, you know, and, and um, 
uh, still type some too, you know, but I just love, there's something about the, the pen hitting the paper. And so I doodle a lot too, um, when I'm brainstorming and thinking. And, um, one day I just wrote that hashtag out. Um, and I was, I was working on a blog post and I was kind of in a rut. And so, um, I wrote it out and kind of stared at it for a while. And I thought, Hmm, you know, there's, there's something kind of catchy about it. And, um, so I decided to write a blog post around that hashtag and I, and I really didn't expect it to take off. It, it was sort of just for me, you know, it was just like something I wanted to have that attached, you know, that attached to my name, you know, and, um, I encouraged people to use it, but I didn't really expect it to be, you know, a thing. Um, but it started to become a thing. And then what I noticed was I would look through and there would be, you know, 20 or 30 posts a day. And it was all just things, great things going on, you know, in, in buildings and in communities. And um, even a few people who aren't educators have picked up on using it, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, CEOs or <laughs> entrepreneurs. Um, and so that's really cool when that happens too. But um, just for, just for, uh, to have an outlet for, for educators to share something great that's going on or to brag on someone, to do a shout out for someone. Um, also to post encouragement. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, quotes and, and things that are pushed out through joyful leaders that are, you know, inspirational, encouraging, just great reminders. Um, and I love that. And there's some people who contribute on a regular basis. And then there's some people that, you know, show up randomly. And um, I look, I look at it two or three times a week and I'm like, there's a new person I can follow, you know, that I had, that I probably wouldn't be connected to, or, I, you know, I look and they're following me and I'm like, I, why am I not following them? They're using the hashtag, you know? And so it's, it's created a lot of connections for me too, um, of, of a network, you know, of people to follow. So I, I never expect it to be, um, you know, a big thing, but, uh, it just kind of became that. So, um, mainly on Twitter and Instagram, those are the two places I see it, you know, used the most and everything. So it's been, it's been very fulfilling to see how, um, people use it and, um, and use it in such great ways. So. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely one of the, one of the things that really catches your eye. And, uh, for me, it's just, I, I just think it's a great reflection point because, you know, as educators, and I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, probably before we hit record, but um, there, there definitely is a challenge that exists for all of our educators right now that maybe, maybe wasn't as prevalent before the pandemic. And that's just the pure amount of negativity and the, I don't know, education bashing, if you will, that, that seems to be happening and is pretty prevalent in our society. It's, it still amazes me how, you know, two years ago, right now, teachers were the biggest heroes, you know, yeah. alongside our first responders, our, you know, our doctors and our nurses. But then it didn't take very long. And all of a sudden, teacher shaming became like this yes. big thing. And so for teachers to be able to educators, not just teachers, for, for educators to be able to try to, you know, let go of the things they can't control and kind of push aside that negativity and stay focused on the, the joy that really is in the job, I think is just really critical. And I'm, I'm grateful to hear and see that Joyful Leaders just continues to, to have posts attached to it because people are still remembering 
the joy that truly exists there. Yes, absolutely. I think that's, I just think that's a, that's a really big deal. And, and it ties in with something that, that I know you and I are both very, very passionate about, which is school culture and climate. And um, I know that's, that's one of your speaking topics. It's something that you care about. You know, it's obviously something, you know, I'm, I'm all about let's catch them doing it right instead of, you know, focusing on everything that they're doing wrong. When you're working with pre-service teachers or, or even teachers in their first three years, let's maybe focus on them a little bit more because that's more your day-to-day job. Yes. What are some things you're doing with them in terms of helping them establish that positive culture and climate in their classroom, uh, taking responsibility for the culture and climate in their schools, those types of things? Yeah, that's that's um, that's something that I'm still soaking in on a regular basis. But um, I, I walked into an amazing setup. Um, I will say that because there's a team. I have a, a team of two or three other people that, well, we have a huge team, but there are a couple of other people that are on the mentoring team. And um, we are constantly brainstorming and sharing ideas, but they already had a great framework going. And then our state is really... Um, focused on supporting those um, teachers in their first three years heavily um, because that's when we tend to lose them. You know, they if they don't feel supported or they don't have layers of support. So um, it starts with our state because they kind of set those expectations and that's kind of where, where my job comes in. But um, but then we have the autonomy to, to, you know, to develop the way we want that training to look with certain criteria, you know, that, that our state suggests as well. But, um, but some of the biggest things that we want to, that we always want to expose those new teachers to um, are not just content things um, or, or isolated things, but, but, but concepts that will impact their entire classroom environment and their core beliefs and values. Because as teachers, as young teachers or new teachers, those are developing still. Yeah, you know, they're still they're still using a lot of their identity and how they were raised and where they came from to shape their opinions and beliefs. And we all do that still. Um, but when you're young, that's that's what you that's all you have to go off of, you know, and um, stepping into a classroom without a lot of, you know, worldly experience um, is, is so difficult because we can, we can be very um, sometimes jaded in the way we see other people or groups of people um, or concepts. And so um, culturally responsive teaching has been a big focus for, um, for our new teachers, just getting them to reflect on their own implicit bias, that, that implicit bias, um, that exists in all of us. Um, and that we're naturally, you know, it naturally causes us to make assumptions, to make judgments, um, to form opinions, even, you know, to the point of it damaging relationships, um, and, and if, you know, if we're not self-aware and we don't encourage our teachers to really reflect on that on a regular basis, then sometimes they're going to miss out on some really powerful connections that they could have with students and with, with their families, too, and colleagues as well. And so um, that's one of the things that we've really tried to weave into the program and then to a lot of our PD in general that we do for teachers is is that level of awareness that they need um, and and to consider that access to all 
is what's so important and inclusion of everyone is is what's powerful and so we tend to lean on certain traditions or things that we're very familiar with ourselves and when we do that that will leave someone out you know it will it, it could make someone uncomfortable it could, you know because not all of our um you know not all of our backgrounds are the same and so um if we can really hone in on that with our new educators and get them to see a broader perspective, think more globally, um, then that is going to empower them to, to, to meet the needs of all kids and to make their learning environments inclusive for, you know, for every kid who comes to their, you know, comes to them and their families too. So that's been huge. And then, um, we look at classroom management heavily as well, but kind of with a different spin, um, more on, you know, relationship based. And we try to um, focus on trauma sensitive practices that are suitable for all kids. Um, and so that it's, you know, trauma, trauma informed practices aren't just good for kids who have experienced trauma. They, they, they meet the needs of everyone adults included. And so that's what makes them so effective is that no matter who your audience is, those practices, they're humane, they're equitable, they're full of compassion and empathy. And that's what we need in our schools. And so any of those practices that we can share with teachers on how we, how we view discipline, um, how we talk to kids when we're trying to redirect or get a desired behavior. Those are, those are things that we can easily slip into dysregulation, go back to what we know or what was done to us. And it gets easy to fall in that cycle um, with our new teachers. So we want to build them up and help them understand that, that keeping themselves regulated is the most powerful thing that they can do. And that's the one thing they really do have control of is themselves. They can't control the emotions 100%. of their students. They can't control the necessarily control the behaviors of their students. And when we try, then it doesn't go well. It usually ends, um, you know, ends up in dissension and relationships can be very damaged from it. So um, it's when we tend to be hurtful as, uh, as educators instead of helpful. And um, so teaching them to understand what triggers them and um, when they feel triggered so they can understand how to to regulate and respond and not react is is a huge thing that we're focusing on within our program as well. So those two things are big. Um, And then we have general requirements, you know, things, their evaluation system and those kind of things that they have to the logistics of the of the um, position that they have to learn that we really hone in on those two big things and everything is relationship based and building that sense of belonging in their classroom. I just think it's, it's just so powerful um, that, and, and you mentioned that before we hit the record button that, it, that in essence, they're not being given a state level rating in those, those first three years, unlike yes. you know, pretty much every other state in the union. So I would think, you know, as a principal or as a superintendent, uh, number one, you would be like, my go-to, my my best friend, my number one on my speed dial for um, not only you know you know an early career teacher who might be struggling, but just just for all of my my staff. And I know you focus primarily on that group, but I would think everybody can can benefit and learn from 
so much of what you and your team are, are doing to support teachers. Because, I mean, let, let's be honest, um, pre-pandemic, there were so many great things happening in so many schools, and there still are, but there are a lot who kind of, you know, because of this this traumatic event that we've all been through, have kind of fallen into this, you know, kind of this default mode or like the factory reset button got hit. And, you know, we're we're reacting instead of responding. Like, like you said, I love yes. how you said that. Actually, that's, that's, that's really important because reacting tends to lead to blame or, you know, to, to finger pointing or, you know, what's wrong with that person as opposed to, okay, you know, what might be the root cause behind this and how can I help? I, I think that's, yes. it's all about mindset, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, the whole learning loss term and everything that everything that, we do both basically right now is a lot of reacting to that, you know, like, you know, how much more intervention can we provide? How can we close these gaps? And, you know, and, and so sometimes just taking a step back from that and thinking of thinking about what is the, is the biggest need right now, go back to Maslow, you know, and a lot of our students are missing those basic, those basic needs and those physiological things, but then also just that sense of, belonging and being able to feel comfortable in the school setting because um, a lot of our kids are so dysregulated right now that they aren't comfortable in school and until we can help them learn those you know those skills and develop that skill set to to be able to be in control of themselves you know the the learning is is going to be all over the place and you know it's going to it may it may come but it also may not be retained and you know so but in a way our 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 adults are there too it's this they're they're experiencing some of the same things that our students are with dysregulation and just being in survival mode and going back to what um you know, what is more automatic and, and, um, you know, quick and fast, you know, to, to get, to get through something, you know, and right. that's human nature for us to do that. So that goes back to that school culture of how are we taking care of each other? What's that collective care look like? Um, you know, and, and are we supporting each other and having each other's back when someone is, is falling, you know, because there's going to be somebody yeah. falling at any given time right now. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and I think uh, so that, that, that feeds perfectly into, into kind of what I wanted to talk about um, a little bit next. Um, you, you said earlier, and, and I love this quote so much, I wrote it down. I'm going to use it at some point in time and, of course, give full credit to you. But um, that teacher retention is a direct correlation to the amount of support that they get. So when, you know, when I think about having, you know, been a principal and, and, and been a superintendent, but but really I'm a recovering high school principal. I always will be. That That's where my mind goes. So yeah. I think about now the level of supports that staff need from from their leaders. And, you know, as, as, as principals, you and I could always, pre-pandemic, we could always counter any question of, well, you don't know what it's like to be a teacher because, yeah, we had. Yes, we did. Yeah. But principals now, unless they taught during the pandemic, have no idea what it's like to be a teacher in the pandemic. I have no idea what it's like to be a principal during a pandemic because yeah. it's a completely different ball game. So when we talk about how, how we support 
educators that are in the classroom or, I mean, our, our food service folks, our, our bus drivers are, I mean, everybody needs the support. It's not just our teachers. You know, everybody says, hey, our teachers are, they're not okay. And they're right. But our leaders aren't okay. Our bus drivers aren't okay. Our custodians like, aren't okay. I mean, nobody's okay right now. Where I'm going with this is is really back to those leaders in the school and when, when you're in those schools or when your leaders come into, you know, the Arch Ford Center and they're there for PD, what are, what are your some, some of your conversations look like? Or maybe what's something that has stood out to you in terms of maybe some guidance either you're giving them or you're overhearing on how do you support your people right now? Yeah, I, I know that one of my um, team members is... Um, she kind of directs the principal collaborative. And so they have um, a monthly meetings. And of course, not all principals can come some months, you know, it's especially right now, you you never know as you know, you're being a principal, it, it was, you know, usually down to the oh, minute, yeah. you have every plan to hop in the car and go to the meeting, but then, you know, something, something's on fire and you, and it changes everything, you know, how to be but, a firefighter um, sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so they, but they usually do have a really great group and they kind of balance between, um, face-to-face meetings and some Zooms too, because that can be, you know, that can be supportive. But um, they've been focusing this year a lot on um, coaching conversations, you know, because those are so much more supportive. And and as administrators, we, we really do want to be, like, my goal was to always try to be the coach and, and to support. But, you know, we also have that evaluator side to us as well. And to balance that is so hard, you know, because we can't just be all coach and we can't just be all evaluator either. There has to be that happy balance and, and finding that is so difficult. And so, um, this, this year, that's been a big focus of, of, um, the, the principal leadership with my teammate, Karen, who's been, you know, um, overseeing that group and they've studied the coaching habit and that book is incredible. It, it just, it, it's, it, it's not really an education book, but it just goes across all relationships and, um, it really sets the tone for being a good listener and allowing the voice of the teacher to really come out and, um, and almost in a problem solving kind of way. And so when a teacher is, is just at that frustration level and, you know, you know how that feels where you really can't think or process much less try to find a solution. So you just have to like get it all out and vent and be be upset, you know, Um, and we have to give our educators, we have to give our teachers room to do that. We need to give our leaders room to do that too. And, and, you know, it's healthy to be able to, to, to unleash that, but then also to bring the conversation back on, okay, you know, so tell me more what, you know, what, what, what is the hardest thing? Where do, where do we need to start? How can I help support this? You know, and so um, coming back to those just simple questions of, um, of support and um, being able to listen with intention, um, not necessarily to have a solution, because a lot of teachers, you know, right now, they're not really necessarily looking for a, a, a direct fix. Sometimes they are. And sometimes that's what they need. I need you to fix this, please. You know, right. and a lot yeah. of times we can, you know, as administrators, a lot of times the principals can, if they if they listen and they go, they can, they can make it, you know, a change in the building and the structure and the schedule. And it takes care of the stress, you know, but sometimes 
I think teachers don't, they're not necessarily looking to be fixed or to have something fixed, but just to be able to be heard and know that, hey, I feel so burned out right now and I don't know how to get out of this rut. How can I get myself out of this? Because I hate how I feel right now. Um, being, you know, being vulnerable enough to be able to say that without being, without being labeled as being negative or, you know, um, right giving up on the profession or, you know, those things that are kind of out there right now, because there's just a right. difference between being able to express concern and, and share the emotions that you're experiencing and complaining. It, it's just really two different things. And definitely one can lead to the other for sure, you know, and, um, but that's where those conversations come in, in, you know, come into play is being able to ask the right questions at the right time and know when to listen. And, and not yeah. be the, um, the book, The Coaching Habit, that talks about the advice monster. And, and sometimes we just want to be the advice monster because we want to help fix it. You know, we want to say, well, maybe you could try this. Maybe you could do this. And sometimes that can just be the biggest insult to teachers right now, you know, because they're like, you think I haven't tried that yet? <laughs> you know, you can see it exactly. on their face yeah. sometimes. And so, yeah. um, you know, I, I think I think that's a really great thing for principals to 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 know. I know I would have needed that big time as a principal because I did want to try to fix a lot of things. I wanted to try to just save sure. it, save them, you know. Oh my gosh, you're so stressed. Let me see if I can save you from this, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I did the same thing sometimes with with families too. I, you know, when I saw crisis, I would I wanted to be that helper, you know, um, but not in the most healthy way. So I had to learn to balance that um, and and know that I can help and support without enabling or taking care of all of it, you know, without without those people included, you know, right. um, just wanting to be the savior, have the savior mentality, because that's not healthy either. Um, and no. so uh, I think I think that's that's been huge for for our principals this year. And then we, we've actually, um, I led a book study with our teacher leader collaborative. That's part of our mentoring program. And we also did the coaching habit because those teachers have groups of brand new teachers that are in year one that they support and uh, mostly digitally because regionally they're, they're all over the place. And so, um, we went through the coaching habit with them as well. Um, just so they could learn those, you know, those, those questions and when, when is the right time to ask, you know, that, to ask that question and when's the right time just to, to be quiet and not say anything, just listen um, and not offer a solution. So long story short, that's great advice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great advice. And, and I will, I will actually, uh, in the show notes, folks, I'll put the link to the coaching habits. So if you want to check that great. book out, yeah. um, honestly, it's one I haven't, I haven't gotten yet. So that's as soon as we end this call, I'm ordering that book. So that yeah, I have a chance to really, dive into it. You know, very uh, easy read too. And that's, that's my kind Even of read. Better, right right? There. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, and, and, you know, something you said in there, I think, um, especially early career leaders, will struggle. I know I struggled big time with trying to do exactly what you said, you know, trying to be the everything for everybody. You know, I have to solve, I have to solve this problem or I, you know, I can do this or I can do this and, and listening, listening with intent. I think this is, this is one of the big pieces there is, you know, what is the intent of the, as the leader, why you're listening? Are you listening to just try to solve their problems? Or are you just listening yeah. to let them be heard? Because, uh, I, I heard this quote once at, um, at at a Kagan training. It was actually Lori Kagan, so Spencer Kagan's uh, wife, said in a training one time. I wrote it down, and I, I just 
have clung to. I even put it in my book. It's it's so good. 99% of the people that we would label as struggling or not on board or defiant just simply want to be heard. And if we're willing to just listen, not listen with judgment, not listen to quickly respond or to prove them wrong, but just listen, that solves a lot of it because you're right. I mean, sometimes you just need to vent and you just need to let it out. And the last thing you want is Darren trying to give you a solution. Just, just, yeah. just shut up and listen. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's what, it, that's what they need. Heck, our, our kids need that sometimes too. We've got to remember yeah. that too with our kids, you know, sometimes yeah. just, and, and as a high school principal, man, I sat out on the benches all the time. And, and I mean, that's my secretary would say, well, you know, if Darren's not in a classroom, he's on one of the benches, just go find it. You know, he's out there somewhere. And that, that was the thing with the kids too, is just listen, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes they want advice and sometimes adults want advice and, or some guidance or like you said, sometimes it's a problem that you're like, Oh, well, I could fix that. You know, we just need to change the way we're doing drop off or how we're doing. Right. Whatever, right. You know? you know, but sometimes just listen to them. That's what they yes. need. That's really what they need. And, yes. and sometimes they need, sometimes they just need comfort and they need to know that, that they're not alone and that there's somebody there who's got their back. Sometimes they need a little bit more. And, and I, I, yeah. this is the last thing I, I want to get to. And then, then we're going to, of course, I'll ask you how you're leaning into leadership, but, but at your feet is a service animal and yes. it's something that is kind of new for you. Um, it's, it's something that's really making, it's been around for a long time, but I think it's really starting to make inroads heavily into education. So like I said, I, there's a service animal at your feet. So let's talk a little bit about that, how that came about, how that's working for you, what you're learning in that process. Well, um, as a principal, I always wanted to have a service dog, you know, in my building. And, and, and that was several, that was seven or eight years ago. And, you know, it just wasn't as big of a thing then. Um, and so, you know, it now, I think there's a lot more research out there. There's a lot more, um, you know, proof that it can be very effective. And so, um, you know, now that I'm not in a building, I really never thought that it would be a possibility to be able to be involved in that. Um, but last fall, we were brainstorming as a team and um, and started thinking about educator wellness and how the mental state of our teachers is just so crucial to retaining them, number one, but also to their effectiveness in the classroom. And, and we have to we have to have healthy teacher environments um, in order in order for our teachers to feel at their very best. And right now, I don't know of any teacher who truly feels their very best <laughs> because of just the That's state of the world. It's it's just really hard to feel highly effective right now. Um, you know, as I, I, I talk to so many teachers who I, I know they're fabulous, um, but they don't see it in themselves right now, even though maybe two years ago, they would have considered themselves a highly effective teacher. And they're still doing the same things, but it's the dynamics are so different now. And so that level of burnout that teachers are experiencing because maybe they're not seeing the, the growth in students that we would normally see, or they're seeing so many barriers to learning um, that maybe have always been there under the surface, but now it exists in more kids and it's more exposed than ever before. And so that's just a burden that, um, you know, 
all of our educators are carrying, but that classroom teacher, we all know that's the deciding factor. Just what John Hattie says, that's the number one deciding factor in the success of a kid is a classroom teacher. And so, um, so we really were trying to figure out ways that we could embed educator wellness into everything that we do, even from the simple reminders of drink water, like d stop and drink water. Do not, because teachers tend to dehydrate themselves. They tend to not eat, you know, so do school leaders because I've, I've had many days where I've had a cup of coffee, two Cokes and some peanut butter from a tongue depressor in the nurse's office. <laughs> And that's been, and that's how I've, you know, like made it through the day. And so I'm the worst, you know, to preach yeah. about educator wellness ever. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, we want to, we want to teach, especially our new educators that they have to be able to listen to their bodies and know when, you know, enough is enough and, and that, there has to be some balance there. And so um, we started trying to think of just little ways that we could even at our facility bring some, you know, just some joy into the, into that, into the environment. And we kind of started dreaming. We thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a dog? Everybody would just, you know, everybody would just eat a dog up. You know, that would be so great. We could train it to go to schools too. We could train it to visit, um, visit um, teachers and kids eventually and all this. And so we started looking at grants, started looking at how we could rate, you know, find the money for it. Um, and then I reached out to a, um, a friend, a former family that I had when I was an administrator who breeds dogs, doodles, and asked some advice from her on what type of doodle to get and, you know, um, about how, how much would it cost, things like that. And so I shared the vision with her and um, she w decided to donate a puppy um, to wow. us. And so the next step was getting approval from our director here. <laughs> and so that was a, that was a process and I, I'm brand new here, you know, and I'm thinking, and he is too, actually. And so, um, you know, we, we knew that we were probably just going to, you know, take him for a loop, but we, we shared the idea with him and he said, you know, write me a proposal tell me the pros, tell me the cons. I want you to think of everything. I want you to go visit schools that have, that have um, therapy dogs, whatever. And so we did that and we let him sit on it and for a while and think about it. Cause it's big, it's a big deal. And um, thankfully he ended up approving the process. And so um, about 10 weeks later, 12 weeks later, we had an eight week old standard poodle um, join our staff here at Arch Ford and his title is emotional support specialist. His name is Archibald Ford. Um, we call him Archie because um, our, our facility is, is called Arch Ford. And so um, he is in training right now to, um, he's, he's learning how to um, be a, a good canine citizen at the moment. So we've graduated puppy school and he's going through that process, which will probably take about 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and then he'll also go into some educational assistance dog training too, to be acclimated to schools. And so, um, but right now he really is just for the adults and um, the amount of joy that he has brought is incredible. Um, not just to our new teachers, but to every every, every educator who comes on campus. And so, um, and I've taken him out to schools a couple of times to visit new teachers. And so it has been a phenomenal experience. And, 
it's been really cool to see how it can support our grown-ups just as much as it can our kids. So um, we're, we're, we're building a professional development session around Archie to help um, superintendents, principals, counselors, you know, who kind of want to get this started in their school. And um, we're hoping that it can spread and that we can educate more about um, the importance of adding, you know, a service animal to a school environment because um, it it's so beneficial. And so it's been it's been it's been an incredible experience. And it, he lives with me, so he gets to ride shotgun with me every day to work. And I love it. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I bet. I can just just see him rolling down the road in the Mustang with the wind blowing. Yes, through his, blowing through his ears. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah, he yeah, likes to sit up go. front most days. So nice. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I, I see now uh, Archie even has his own social media handle. I mean, am, I, am I getting that right here? Yep, he has an Instagram account, and and um, we we did that in order to be transparent about the process, you know. And a lot of people are curious about what he does outside of the workday, you know, um, and how he is at home and things like that. So I do I share a lot of the whole story, you know, of him just being a puppy, but then also you know how his training is progressing, and 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 it's all from his perspective. And so he's like the number one teacher fan. That's that's his gig. And um, so anytime he gets to hang out with teachers, educators, period, he's 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 all about it. So um, he's the official greeter here at Archford. So like this morning, we had a bunch of, of people coming on campus. Um, they were specialists from all over the state, literacy specialists and math specialists. And um, and so we were at the front door, you know, greeting um, everybody who came in and just, you know, spreading a little bit of joy before the day started. So it's amazing what just sometimes something little like that can do for just the collective uh, feel of a room um, or a school as a whole. Um, it can just add that that element of of joy yeah. that that we all need right now. So so important. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I think it just you know as as a dog person, we we have we have two dachshunds, uh, a mini and a, and a regular size, and uh, just yeah, you know, you come home from a tough day and everything melts away when, um, when yeah. my, you know, when my, my mini wants nothing more than to, to, to just give me kisses. I mean, it just, yep. you know, everything kind of melts away. So I, I think it's super powerful that you guys are doing that. It's, it's, it's incredible leadership and I'm glad to see that, that that's happening and it's happening in more and more places around the country. It's uh, definitely something that, that fits. I'll make sure and, and I'll include, um, Archie's social media handle uh, in yeah, the show notes too, so, so people can follow him. I'll definitely be following him from from now on. There's no question about that. So, last question, uh, honestly, Bethany, you and I could probably talk for another two or three hours, um, and I would hope that some of our listeners would say, "Yeah, I'd listen to that for another two or three hours." But um, just just one final question um, for for this particular time. We'll have you back on the podcast again some some other time, but. Right now, you, you've, you've given us a lot of different ways that you're leaning into leadership. What might be one thing that you're doing to lean in that we didn't talk about or that you just want to emphasize a little bit more? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I have ventured into the world of um, higher education a little bit. I, I, I started adjuncting this semester, and that's been a big stretch for me to um to focus on that level of learning 
I've loved it. It has been so much fun. It's not something I, that I want to do full time, of course, because I'm so I'm so in love with what I do. But it's it's just another connection, you know, to the education world. And um, these are graduate students that are looking to be superintendents or district people, you know. And so being able to talk with those um, the, with those type of students has been so rewarding to me. And I feel like that's just another level of investment that I can, can create, you know, and help with. And, and they, they know a lot more than I do because they're out there doing it and um, they're all administrators or about to be administrators right now. And so I've learned more from them than they could ever, you know, ever have learned from, from me, um, but through their conversations and just their perspectives. So I really want to continue to push myself in that area and grow as, um, you know, as someone who can, who leads adult learning in various platforms, you know, um, because adult learning, it does have a lot of similarities to, to, to the way we teach kids, but we also know there's, there's a lot of dynamics involved with um, adult learners that we have to be able to be in tuned, you know, with. And so, so I'm really trying to stretch myself there um, because sometimes my audience is brand new teachers. Sometimes it's a group of experienced teachers. Sometimes it may be future superintendents, you know, Um, but I want to make sure that I can do what I did with kids when I taught them, you know, to be able to adapt and be flexible and adjust, you know, my lens um, to meet those needs too. So I've really stretched myself in, in just a year's time, you know, trying to grasp the whole concept of andragogy and, and be able to, to, to just understand it more in depth, I guess. Um, even though I've done all kinds of trainings, you know, in the past and everything, but now it is my purpose, you know, it's my purpose has completely shifted. And I know that everything that I can, that I do could potentially influence one way or the other, um, what an educator goes back into their building and does. And so I take that very seriously. I think it's uh, it's a great example of how you know we we, we hear so much about and and it, it's probably even gotten overused uh, about you know finding our why or our purpose and how over the course of our lifetime over the course of our career that purpose may shift and it's okay for that to happen you know certainly you know what what called me into education still is probably at my core. But the way that I've gone about that and the way that, that I am, and I, in, in my way, fulfilling that purpose, the way you're fulfilling that purpose has evolved over time. And I think that's something educators need to be comfortable with and, and yeah. see that other people do that. And, and it's okay to, to not be a kindergarten teacher your whole career or, or a science teacher. It's also okay to do that. I'm not saying that yes. it's not, yes. but yeah, sometimes sometimes our calling will take us in directions we didn't expect, and Absolutely. I think it's wonderful that that you're working with uh, with those folks who are striving to be a superintendent, or striving to be a principal, or something like that. And and no matter what you say, they're going to learn a lot from you. I have no question about that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks thanks so much, Bethany, for for coming on the show. I had just an amazing time having this conversation with you. And uh, I definitely look forward to the time that will happen when we actually get to meet each other in person. Yes, it's going to happen. 
Man, I enjoyed that conversation so much. I hope you did as well. I will tell you that Bethany and I talked for at least 45 minutes before we hit record and probably another 20 or 30 minutes afterwards. It was really, truly fun to be able to connect with her and to have some of those connections. And there are so many gold nuggets to take away from that conversation from a leadership perspective. But I'm going to tell you this, the one that I think just really jumps out and Everybody we talk to in education, of course, you love kids, and that's a big part of the role. It's imperative that you love kids. Otherwise, why would you be doing what you're doing? But Bethany loves education. She truly loves the profession. And you hear that in her talking about the work she's doing, not only as a recruitment and retention specialist, but also as an adjunct professor at the University of Central Arkansas. Thank you again so much, Bethany means the world to me to have you on, means the world to consider you a friend, and honestly, to share the education profession with you. You are truly a hero. And now, it's time for a quick pep talk. We're headed into the month of May. We're headed down the stretch, folks. You can see the finish line. If you consider the school year an airplane flight like I always did, you're about to get the plane on the ground. But hey, we still got to finish strong. And by that, I'm not talking about academic standards. I'm not talking about teaching and learning in the classroom. Yes, you still need to finish strong there. I'm talking about for yourself and for the people around you. Bring that positive energy. Fix it in your seat before you hit the street. So every morning when you're in your car or you're walking to work, whatever it is, get your mindset right. Take that deep breath. And remember, you make the difference each and every day for the kids whose lives you touch. Bring that positive energy, bring that fire, and bring that love. Because when everybody has that from you, they feel seen, they feel heard, and they feel loved. Get out there, have a road to awesome week, and we'll catch you again next time on the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.